Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 15 of Daffy's Roundtable. This week, we're joined again by another member of the Herpetoculture Network and co-host of the Herpetoculture Podcast. With a collection filled with beautiful Morelia and colubrids, my guest for today is an incredible source of wisdom when it comes to keeping snakes. So without further ado, everybody, please help me welcome Jacob Bratz of Longleaf Reptilia. Hello, hello, hello. What's going on? How are you? <laughs> Pretty good. How are you? Good. Thank you for coming on, man. Yeah, man. No problem. Did I catch you at a bad time there? <laughs> no, I, I thought you were. I thought you were going to keep me off a little longer. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, man. I don't care. All right. So to get right into it, um, well, I, I do want to ask you a couple of questions about like why the switch from JLB Morelia to Long Leap Reptilia. But before we get there, um, how did you get into reptiles? How did I get into reptiles? So, I mean, I have a lot of the, the same stories as everybody else. Basically, you know, I I grew up with a fascination of dinosaurs, like a lot of reptile people did. Um, I took it to an extreme. Um, I, yeah, it was, it was a whole thing. My mom loves to tell stories about that. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. But um, when I was about, I don't know, seven, eight years old, I had a friend whose dad bred uh, corn snakes and some eastern king snakes, all wild cut stuff locally. And um, he hatched out a bunch of baby corns. And I remember he just had like a whole pile of them in this, you know, little critter keeper. And I was just enamored by these little snakes. And, you know, I, I couldn't stop playing with them, you know. My friend would get mad at me because I would go over there and I would, would want to play with the snakes and he wants to go outside and do stuff. And I'm like, man, come on, let me just play with the corn snakes, you know? And they're adorable but, um, in that size too. And they're like freshly yeah, hatched. Yeah, freshly oh. hatched. Oh man, especially when you're seven, eight years old. You know, <laughs> at that time, the big ones are still kind of like, you know, because you don't really mess with snakes a whole lot. But the little ones, man, the little worms are great. Yeah. Um, so from there, you know, I wanted a pet snake, but um, my my parents were not about it. You know, my dad for a very long time was a, one of those people, you know, the only good snakes, dead snake type of people. He's no longer that way. He actually identifies snakes very well today. Um, so, so you, you changed them. Very <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No. He, yeah. You should very, be proud. Yeah. Snake, yeah. No, I'm very happy. He sends me a pic. He sent me a picture not that long ago. And um, it was like, it was a hog nose. It was a couple months ago. And um, he sent me a picture. He's like, hey, this is a hog nose, right? And I was like, yeah, good job, dad. Nice. <laughs> and, uh, but um, yeah, so I wanted a snake from then on out as a pet. And, you know, being young, my parents weren't about it. And so my mom, my mom's always been a big animal person. So she always, you know, advocated me having, you know, other other pets to kind of scratch the itch so i had geckos growing up for a while i started with leopard geckos those were my first reptiles um i've had a couple of those had a few amphibians had a little newton uh, newton frog tank for a while and so i was doing stuff with that and you know just to kind of scratch the reptile itch um yeah. but i i got to about 12 13 years old and i think about 12 was when i started getting like really serious about it and by around 13, I think it was my, I annoyed my parents enough to <laughs> get me a snake because I was basically, you know, I would, I was on the internet every day <clears throat> looking at stuff, researching, watching videos, you know, I just liked watching videos of all these things and, um, you to know, this I day. was bringing, 
yeah, I was bringing, yeah, exactly, you know, and I was bringing my parents up to the to these videos and these, you know, these articles and all this stuff. Like, look what it says here about this one. Like, watch this, you know, and so it was all like this convincing, you know, and you know, eventually they started warming up to it, and then I had to talk them into, you know, what type of snake and how, what size, how big they get, you know, and because they didn't want me to have anything big, and of course. So long so story what was short. It? <laughs> what was it yeah my first snake was actually a corn snake yeah okay nice okay yeah no that was that actually turned out very unfortunate i was actually a pretty traumatizing snake as a young child um that snake i'm sure people have heard this on the podcast on my <laughs> podcast if you've listened to it but um that snake actually died in my hands oh, wow. um about like three months after i got it i think um it's kind of mm. it was weird you know it was eating it was doing great for a while and then i took it out of his cage one day because it was acting funny and it just started doing a death roll and it died wow. right there not a good experience was, for a 13 14 year old no no <laughs> i think i cried for about three days because that was that was you know five years worth of convincing right right there. it just died in my hands That's... you know so that crushed me but um a couple months i was probably only about two months later i went and got a um got a ball python which I had that animal until college. And when I went to college, I had a few more after that. But, you know, um, in high school, I think at the most I kept was about five snakes. And then I think I had only had five or six through college. And then once I got out of college, that's when, you know, things started. That's when the getting obsession serious. began. Yeah. yeah. So I'm all downhill from there. So Awesome. And then from there, how did you get into, um, well, when I first started, started listening to the Herpetoculture podcast, it seemed like the only thing you would keep uh, were Morelia or like carpet pythons, that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. how did you get into um, like the Morelia? Well, the Morelia, so back when I, back even before I had snakes in general, um, you know, I was doing all the research, watching videos. And um, I don't know if you remember an old website, but it was called Reptiles TV um sounds familiar yeah i think so yeah it's an it's an old one um but they had some good information i mean i, I back then it was good i don't know how it is now like that any info was good info it. yeah exactly <laughs> you know but um they had a couple care videos on a few different things that corns ball, and um then they had a carpet python like video it was like a cat i can't remember if it was a care video or what but um i so i clicked out like yeah, you know what's carpet python just this big you know, carpet i believe it linking back remember because i remember it you know thinking now it was some type of you know whatever it was you know but it's some type of jungle mix and um, it was big and hefty and i just thought it was the prettiest snake i had ever seen in my life it was just incredible you know it was, it was this black banding you know it was very very nice animal and i was just like that's it like that's the that's snake the like that's what i want you know but upon doing more research back then it was harder to do more in-depth stuff uh, especially about carpet pythons because there's not there you know wasn't nearly as much out there as there is now um For but sure. upon reading you know everything i was saying was they get seven foot plus and they're mean, they're this, they're that. I still wanted one, but for somebody trying to convince their parents, like, not a first snake for somebody living with their parents. Exactly, exactly. Um, so I 
sat on that for a while. I never had a carpet while I was uh, living with my parents. And then while I was in college, um, I went to a reptile expo in Charleston, South Carolina. It was a very small shit hole in the wall. It's not a not even worth going to. But at the time, you know, I was going to basically any show I could. Um, yeah. yeah. So I went to Charleston. I actually went with my two corn snakes. I was looking because I had a pair of some more corn snakes. I can't remember what they were at the time. Um, you were looking to sell them or buy a new pair? I didn't really know. I was looking to hopefully do a little trading, you know, whatsoever. Some of that, okay. but, yeah, something of the sort. And um, so I was walking around the show. And um, this dude had this itty-bitty carpet python, man. I'm talking baby. And um, I still knew nothing about the carpet pythons. I had basically forgotten about them. Because I hadn't really seen... You don't see them at shows that often. You know, I had been to several shows, you know, throughout the years. But you never really saw carpet pythons that often. Yeah, eventually you give um, up. You go, like, I guess I'm not going to I'm not gonna find them anytime soon. Right, exactly. Yeah. You know, and at the time, you know, I was in college still. You know, I didn't have money. I wasn't really buying snakes. So, you know, it wasn't really on my mind you know i kind of forgotten about them all together and i'm at the show and i see this little carpet python there and i was like that's cool i was like that's the snake i want and he had him he had it priced at like i don't know 150 bucks or something like that you know and again a broke college kid didn't have 150 yeah, bucks yeah. yeah i think i had like 50 dollars on me and um i came up to this dude because he had a bunch of colubrids around and stuff i was like hey man what's the deal with, with the carpet python you, you know and i talked to him about it for a little bit i looked at him i was like i'll give you a pair of corn snakes and 50 bucks and he's like what kind of corn snakes and i showed him he's like yeah i'll do that and i was like sweet so i traded him my corn snakes i took on this little carpet python and i just became obsessed that was that was it and um from there i still have that carpet python today um she, oh that's awesome she's, yeah she's chilling not tiny she anymore be, what's that not tiny anymore no no no, no. <laughs> she's yeah she's definitely a good size now um i consider her very small for a carpet python but i also don't feed large rats every week uh, so she is very on the, at least in my opinion, for her age on the small side. Um, but again, she eats medium rats, you know, and she's very healthy. She's probably the strongest snake I own though. I'll tell you that yeah. she's, she's something else. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, she's a great animal, but from there, man, I mean, it's just spitballs with the carpets and, um, never got out of them. And I think that was 2000. Uh, 15, I think is when I got that first carpet python. Um, so yeah, going strong ever since. Awesome. So are you still working with, uh, working with them, trying to breed them? Uh, yeah, yeah, what absolutely. Kind, what species are you trying to, or are you working with? So that's, um, I work with uh, poplin carpets more than anything. Um, yeah. those have really been my, yeah, my squeeze per se over the last, you know, um, several years. Um, and it's kind of funny that the way I got into, you know, popwins or IJs, Irangias, whatever you want to call them. People call and them they stay slightly them. smaller than the rest of the species, correct? Yes. Yes, yeah. they do stay slightly smaller. And um, I kind of got into them because the first carpet that I bought um, was labeled an Irangia, you know. Okay. And so I was like, ooh, first carpet, Irangia, that's a thing. And it, it basically took that carpet for me to learn everything else about carpets you know the subspecies and you know all that stuff and you know so i learned from scratch based on that animal 
Right. Well, so I learned all the subspecies. I was like, okay, since I have an Erangia, I want to focus on Erangia carpets, you know, try to keep my focus there. Um, upon doing more research and learning more, I now know, or I soon figured out I couldn't label the animal I had as yeah, an IG, you know, like yeah. at least like theoretically. And then the more I learned after, you know, about a year or two, I'm like, this thing doesn't even look like a freaking IJ, and it does. You know, she she has no no resemblance to an IJ whatsoever, other than size, at least in my opinion. Um, Do you know what she kind of, is? She to me, she's got far more jungle influence than anything else. Um, you know, she's got some coastal looking patterning, so she's some type of mutt. Um, she probably has a little bit of everything, to be honest. Okay, um, that's why I. She's a carpet python. To full stop right there so i yeah. tell everybody that's it she's just a carpet python you know and that's what i yeah. tell everybody if you don't know don't try and put a label on it it's a carpet For sure. it's awesome and it's awesome just like that you know they are great but, snakes um, i agree yeah yeah for sure um so yeah i did more research into the poplin carpets and i just became a in particular because of their size and you know the, the size is what drew me to them most at first and then as i you know dove deeper into them um i saw how much potential there is for so much you know selective breeding within them that is just so untapped and now they're they're really starting to throw out some amazing animals people working with them um these captive bred you know poplin carpets nowadays are you know getting better and better with each generation um you know and they're still a they're the only carpet python we can still get wild caught blood from you know we can still get imported uh poplin carpets so that's a big plus um they're the only carpets that are coming out of um that are from indonesia um anybody who doesn't know carpets as well pretty much all carpet pythons except poplin car carpets come from australia and there's no exportation out of australia um whatsoever so poplins are basically the only fresh blood of carpets that we can get um so that was you know a big thing for me being able to do that and it's also something about starting from scratch with your, you know, your, I guess you call it, you're starting your own line. Per Fresh se, you know. Exactly. You know, yeah, so there's something about starting from scratch, you know, creating F1 animals from, you know, wild caught or farm bred animals. There's just something about that, that, you know, speaks a little bit more to you. You know, you feel very accomplished, you know, achieving that. I have not produced F1s personally. I have, you know, a few farm bred animals and a wild caught um, animal, but uh, so it's definitely in the future, but one day. Um, yeah. Yeah. One day for sure. And I'm de I take pride in the fact that I do have, you know, wild caught farm bred animals. Um, I think it's very cool. I, I enjoy them a lot and I'm really looking forward to making, you know, my first generation of carpets. Um, at least from, you know, wild caught, I have produced carpets myself, but, um, sure. yeah, but then there's just, you know, a whole other slew of things within, you know, poplins in the, in the captive, the established captive breeding side, you know, the stuff, the, the established lines, you know, like GQ and pen, uh, poster child, things like that, you know, those lines of, you know, poplin carpets, you know, I, I, I would have a hard time finding yeah exactly and i but i would have a hard time finding anyone that did not to deny that and some of those animals are some of the best looking carpets you've seen like ever you know i don't know if anybody you know listening or if you've ever seen the um poster child animal i can uh, um, we can all see it right now <laughs> if, you, if you can look it up i actually might have a picture on my phone i can send you somewhere poster you child uh, poster child yeah spelled oh, okay. exactly like it sounds one word 
Like poster child pop one carpet python? That poster child something. That that's that's where I got I've got I've got lineage somewhere here. Hold on. Alright, um sharing. can I can I close out the screen? You stay there? Yeah, I think I think so. Okay, hold on, give me one second. Let me look at this. I know I've got it in my notes somewhere. Yeah. I'll figure out how to share the screen with my I did it before. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Did you find a picture? I well, I figured out how to share. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on one second. Let me Make me dive deep. Hold up. And no worries, take your time. Yeah, I um. So I acquired a um, poster child and pen animal from a friend of mine, an adult female. And I hadn't really heard of poster child previously to receiving this animal. And um, I like to get any background I can on pretty much. Um, you know all the animals i can on you know all my captive bred stuff so um i got some pictures of the original poster child animal and i it, it's just absolutely incredible i have to see if i can find this picture that is awesome i i so i'm still diving into the world of learning about the different um like I'm still, I still struggle to tell the difference between jungle and a coastal, for example. Like mm -hmm. I'm still getting into the into the Morelia world and into the different uh, locales and morphs and all that. But I have not, yeah. I have not heard about poster child at all. So that's that's very interesting. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing this one. Yeah, it's a it's a specific line. I mean, I says it's it's a line. Just um, it, they're no. It, this animal is known for being very high orange. Okay. Um, and um, you know all the the poster child. It's not a morph or you know anything like that. It's just you know specific line breeding. You know, right. within, who, um, within carpets. Who's it line? Who whose line is it? Or who like who created this line? The the person I know of that um, worked with it um, was uh, what was that guy's name? I'd have to look at my notes from who produced. Um, my animal here yeah oh, that's okay that's uh, kind of yeah. fine stuff here um, i have so many pictures you know how it is trying to yeah yeah <laughs> scroll snake 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 frog 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 <laughs> right but the guy that um the guy that produced hey, my go. my animal is um is no longer in the hobby um okay. so it's it's unfortunate that you know he's not okay. working with a lot of that stuff anymore um so i don't really know where a lot of the blood is to be honest, I've honestly never seen more poster child blood. Um, that could be because a lot of people are holding on to you know what they have. Um, here we go. Okay. Okay. Can I send you a picture to your Instagram? Yes, that works. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. quick that took long enough not us i mean 
it is it is pre-recorded so i can all just go back and, and cut out oh, okay I got yeah okay i'm sending you a picture now so this is that is poster child okay. and that is the grandfather to the um to the female that i have that produced my last clutch wow so you're technically working with the line now yes i have i have that blood in my collection yes that is very cool let me see if i can i think i can share from somewhere other than online right Oh, and I believe it was uh, Mr. Matt Lacrosse that was doing a lot of work with the poster child stuff. Um, okay, that, that, his, name, his name just hit me. That name is familiar uh, to me. I, I don't know why yeah, or how, he, but <laughs> he, he was a he produced. Uh, so Matt, you know, like I said, he's no longer in the hobby, um, which is very unfortunate. But Matt produced some absolutely it was almost like he produced some really awesome animals and dropped off the face of the earth and i'm talking <laughs> like when i say really awesome i'm talking like some of the best popcorn carpets captivity has seen in my opinion okay. you know from wow. from the pictures that i have seen of his stuff i don't know where it all went i know so i know for a fact some of it has passed on like it died um, one of the nicest IJs I've ever seen in my life um, belonged to a friend of mine. Uh, actually, the guy I got this from, got this animal from, and um, there we go. Unfortunately, passed away. But yes, that is that is poster child. Um, not the incredible. best picture, but it was the best one I had. You know, that animal has almost no black on it. Um, you can, yeah, the, you can really see the like the high orange, like you said, it's incredible. I've never seen a yeah. carpet look anything like that. It almost, you know, it almost looks hypo-ish, you know, obviously I'm not right. going to say it's hypo, please God, nobody, you know, stone me, it, it's not a hypo, <laughs> but it has that hypo Darwin look, you know, I don't know if anybody's seen the hypo Darwins coming out of Australia. Yes, you know, that yeah, has, you're right, yeah. That, that, that type of look to it, you know, and that is just, I once I saw that animal, I was like, I have to have that blood. Like that is, you know, incredible. You know, it's the nicest looking car I've ever seen in my life, you know. And that, and she produced, you know, or he, I think post child was a male, I believe. Okay. Um, you know, he produced, you know, incredible, incredible animals. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping to do the blood justice and bring out a lot of those yellows and oranges um, in there. And you know, my girl is very high yellow, and I bred her and hit her to my highest yellow male to hopefully bring out more of that um and uh now the babies that they produced have all types of lines in them and all very well known lines that they have just came out absolute screamers that's awesome have you um, see are you seeing the high orange and the high yellows in the babies already or not yet there's a few there's a few of them that are just the the, the entire clutch is i mean insanely variable the variability between each baby is is incredible you know trip. i essentially got three different phenotypes out of you know the whole clutch i had okay i had nine eggs hatch and 10 babies because i got a set of twins wow. and um oh that's, yeah, really, cool. Like, that's really cool 
yeah, yeah, it was, it was really cool getting a set of twins. I know it's not great because the babies are a little weaker, and you know, but they were fine. Right, you know, they, but they I mean, like, like definitely for, to, almost... sorry, just yeah. to see it in person, like that's that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, it was really cool seeing two little heads poke out. Yeah, because I'm sitting there watching the incubator the day they're hatching, you know, because when you're waiting on snakes to hatch, you can't help but look, especially yeah, once course. you get around that 60 day mark. You know, you're staring in the incubator every, every few day. hours. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, you got the best thing to do if you're breeding snakes, forget about them. stick the eggs in the incubator, and do your best not to think about it. It's, it's not even just snakes, insane. all reptiles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's kind of um, like a free so bonus cool. snake, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, it was, it was so neat seeing those two little heads poke out. I was like, oh, you know, got an extra. And it was kind of cool because, like, one egg died. Um, well, it did, the egg went bad in during incubation. It was a bad egg. It got nasty in there and it never hatched. Um, but, you know, I don't really separate eggs. You know, some people talk about mold and, you know, the one bad egg was attached to two other eggs. Um, and that egg was obviously disgusting. Um, but it was attached to two others and it had those two others had some stuff on them, but the eggs hatched just fine. Okay. You know, um, I'm That's not awesome. a big proponent pro proponent of, you know, separating eggs and cutting and all that. I pretty much take the pile and, you know, as is, you know, I, I you know, we're, we're playing God so much, you know, with how we do right. things, you know, we're trying to keep these mini ecosystems and tubs all over our rooms and cages and, doing right. all this stuff, you know, but I do what I can to try to keep things at least somewhat natural, you know, cause so I, I'm not going to sit there and take floss and separate every egg, you know, cause have you ever considered that's also why I really don't cut eggs. Like, you know, while they're hatching, I, I really don't slit eggs open. Um, I might, if there's one left and I just want to see if it'll come out, I might cut, but I, I'm really not a big proponent proponent of cutting eggs. Um, some people may not agree with me on that, but that's just me. Um, I've also had everybody had, in the hobby knows somebody who, yeah. who doesn't agree with you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. You know, but I, I, but with that said, you know, I've never had a good egg not hatch, you know, right. so I, I say that now I'm not going to cut, you know, then the one day that one good egg's not hatching, I'm slicing it open like I'm freaking Jay Brewer, you know, and no, <laughs> because <laughs> um, that's disgusting i'll just say that now I mean, what he does to eggs is absolutely disgusting but i'm not gonna get it yet yeah that's that's who um, i was i think that's who i was referring to a couple of seconds ago <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, yeah no um, i i agree yeah. but no i i so i'm the same thing i i don't i'm not a big fan of cutting eggs but every once in a while you're like i i really want to know like is there a chance? But at the same time, you're like survival of the fittest, right? Like if, if you're not surviving here, you wouldn't survive in the wild. You're probably a weaker individual. Like, so yeah, and, there's, and, there's something to be said for that. And that's my exact, you know, argument to it is like, you know, cause getting out of your egg, that's the first action you make at, in during life. Like that's your first right. breath as a snake, you know? And yeah, it might sound kind of morbid, but if you can't do that, it was really meant to be, you know? And they, they, you know, people, I, I have, I've had a lot of people look at me so sideways when I say that, but it's like, you know, we, we do so much to make this happen. And it's like, at a certain point, I feel like we're, we are taking it too far. And, you know, at a certain point, mother nature needs to make the calls, you know, and even right. though this isn't, this isn't mother nature, this is my room, but it's still, you know, it, to, to an extent, like, that's one of those things that like, okay, I don't think mother nature 
would have wanted this snake to continue. It can't, it can't get out by itself. It's probably not going to eat well. It's going to be a pain in the ass. For and then you're breeding it and, or you're selling it to someone else who's going to breed it and you're just introducing those weaker genes into the lines. And I absolutely exactly. agree and with that, you. And, that, <laughs> that's my, and that's my other thing. And that's my other thing is, pro, you know, proponing the, you know, good feeders. You know, breeding a good feeder to a good feeder. You know, those are traits that get passed on. Everybody looks at all these colors and patterns and stuff. And yeah, of course, we all want to make the prettiest, coolest looking snake out there. A lot of people don't think about the feeding response of some of these animals and, you know, how, you know, their attitudes are and, you know, and all this stuff. And it, it all it all goes into play into their babies. All those traits, all those things can get passed on, you know, and that's not saying your terrible feeding carpet's going to produce a bunch of terrible feeding babies. You know, I'm not saying that will happen, you know, but I think your chances are more likely. Yeah, you no, know. that's, that, that makes sense. So you think that traits like, uh, feeding response, how friendly they are, how nippy they are. You think all these things can, can be kind of bred? I think they can, you know, obviously there's uh, exceptions and whatnot. There's exceptions always, you know, especially in carpet pythons, your babies are almost never happy. You know, baby carpet <laughs> pythons sure. are, are, are dicks, you know, they're, yeah. they're, yeah. you know, a lot of them are terrible, you know, but you know, occasionally you get more that are, you know, like, like I said, my clutch this year, it was pretty much split in half on no attitude and attitude. attitude um, yeah. I, well, I actually may have a few more width and attitude. <laughs> I have a handful. I have a handful. You know, I can reach right in. They might nip me because they think they're getting food. Um, and, but other than that, once they're out of the cage, nothing. It's a but feeding response. Some, exactly. But I have some that won't stop. And like, period. They'll be on the hook and they'll be, yeah, yeah, yeah. going <laughs> coming at me you know and yeah. so but you know it, it's it's hard to say you know as far as that goes you know i do think it can be something that's passed on i definitely think feeding response you know and just you know good feeding animals i think that gets passed on for sure you know that that attribute can get passed on a lot easier um but um yeah well as far as carpets go feeding really isn't much of a issue usually <laughs> not at all no yeah <laughs> I've produced, yeah, I've produced like 19 carpets in, you know, my two clutches that I've had and all 19 ate the very first time offered frozen pod. Wow. Yeah. So and I, did you have to put them I on can't... live first or nope. straight away on frozen thought? So that was okay. That was, that was your first meal. Thought. Wow. Yeah. So I kind of, I've kind of developed a system for carpets because it's worked, you know, so well for me, um, you know, as far as like the first meal. So I've what I do for a first meal is you know, I don't sit there, you know, a lot of people will try, you know, the bare minimum, a freshly thawed fuzzy and just stick it in front of them see if they go. Yeah. I take it a little bit farther for their first one just to entice them a little bit more. So what I do is I take a fuzzy and I dry it off a lot, like completely dry. Cause when it's completely dry, more scent particles will get out there. Okay. Um, so I dry it off completely, make sure it, it's no whatsoever. Oh. And then I, we're take the there. skin of the nose what's that i'm oh, sorry i just lost you for a second i think uh can you say the last part again i was and so you make sure you get a fuzzy completely dry and then um you know once it's completely dry i take um i take the tip of the nose and i just rip some skin off of it you know i don't brain it like poke it like you do with a pinky but i just take the skin on the nose and just rip it and leave you know a bare patch of skin right there on the nose 
and that gets a little bit more of those scent particles out there for them. And I've been 19 for 19, very first try, you know, two days after a first shed with carpet pythons. So that's the other thing. I wait till they all shed. I don't even offer them food until they've shed, um, had that first shed after hatching. Um, and then, you know, after that shed, following that routine with that feeding, you know, like I said, 19 for 19, no problems. Yeah. You know, so that's awesome. Um, again, that's just, that's only two clutches. I've all, that's all I produce. So, you know, it's not that good of numbers in retrospect, but for me, it, hey, it's been, it's been great. hundred percent success rate. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, can't really that, complain. Yeah. So, so yeah. what, have you ever considered leaving the eggs in and letting the female do, um, the incubation or what's your opinion on that? Yeah, that's actually, um, moving forward. I, plan on that being my main form of incubation um i have a very nice sea serpents incubator that i used um the last time i had a clutch i love it it's a fantastic product um but as far as pythons go um my as long as everybody's up to par and i really hope that i I, I say all this stuff in hopes that I, I keep this mindset moving forward. I don't want to breed a female if I don't think she could maternally incubate, you know, because you have those, some animals like, ah, oh, she was too skinny to maternal. So I pulled them, you know, so yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, if, if she might be too skinny to maternally incubate, I'm probably not going to breed her type deal, you know? So that's what I want right. to do moving forward and then make maternal incubation my main form of incubation and then only use artificial if, you know the snake ditches the eggs because you do have you know snakes that aren't really good moms you know especially their first season you know a lot of first-time sure. breeders you know they they either won't breed you know they don't really know what they're doing um you know so maternally maternal incubation can be just you know an extra harder step for a non-seasoned breeder um but anybody who's got a season or two under the belt you know i I plan to do pretty much all maternal incubation and only artificially incubate when, uh, when they ditch the eggs. Um, so at least that's the plan. You know, I really hope I can stick with it because I'm not, I don't plan on breeding pretty much anything back to back years. Um, I would really like to give, you know, my females every other year off, um, because I, there's no sense in, you know, making them go every, you know, every year, you know, going more than two years in a row can be very detrimental. You know, so if you're going to do, if you're going to do more than one, two years in a row, give them a year off, you know, but my plan is to do, you know, one, one on one off. And, um, yeah. So oh, for sure. And then, uh, so, I mean, that first of all goes back to like breeding the best possible, like the strongest animal, right? Like when in these circumstances, only the, the, the strongest will actually survive. So you're getting the, the best like quality carpets out of them. Right. But then, yeah, yeah. Cause no, sorry. Okay. Go ahead. Well, I was gonna say that's, you know, that's part of, you know, the good, the cool thing about maternal incubation is it's proven that babies come out more robust with better feeding responses, you know, and, you know, and I'm, and I'm not going to say better hatch rates because I don't know that for a fact, but it is it is very um, apparent that babies are easier to start when they're maternally incubated. So that's another thing, you know, talking about, you know, being a proponent of having, you know, good feeding babies, you know, the likelihood of having a lot more of those can come, you know, with maternal incubation. You know, right. which, you know, but again, with all that said, maternal incubation isn't for everybody and it's certainly not for every snake. Um, it isn't the easiest task. You do have to monitor them a little better. It is harder on the female, but 
it is also what they do in the wild. So if you think they're not capable of it, you're just wrong, you know, yeah. but I understand why people don't want to. Um, but since I'm not somebody that wants to breed a female back to back years, I don't mind maternally incubating. Cause if you do maternally incubate, you can pretty much kiss the next season goodbye. Yeah. You know, because that adds, you know, because that's why a lot of people don't maternity incubates because they say, oh, that's, you know, two months that I could be putting food back on them mm-hmm. for the next season. Yeah. Right. That's 100%. Oh, I think you, you cut out again. Oh, oh there you go. You're my back. <laughs> yes, you, you are. Got yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. cool. But. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, that 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 makes hundred percent sense. And then, so when the babies hatch, does the mom ever go after them, or are you just immediately in there pulling them out? Well, I've never maternally incubated. I've only done artificial um, for my two, and um, so I mean that's you know, but I haven't. I don't know about babies you know coming out being in there. Um, so yeah, just running around all over the place. Well, you have to. You have yeah, to. Yeah, I, I can only imagine how it that. Goes. Yeah, yeah, I can only imagine that if you have a decorated cage. Good God, I've heard of people finding, you know, because you have those live bears, and you know, I've I've heard of people yeah. finding baby snakes for two weeks, you know, because they just keep popping up, and yeah, you know, so. I've had it happen with geckos. It's yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, so you know, you you know really well then, because I'm sure it's even harder with geckos, man. <laughs> you you just you come up to the cage and you see something moving, and you're like. The females over there. What's moving in the corner? And you just what? Yeah. And then you see the like, ah, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, cool. So, so then maybe jumping off Morelia. What? Uh, finally, getting to that question. Why the switch from JLB Morelia to? Uh, I mean, like to Longleaf Reptilia, and not specifically like why did you change the name, but like it seems like you went from keeping strictly carpets to more and more colubrids, and you kind of want to work with colubrids mm-hmm. more now, and that's possibly yeah. why the the name change. Correct. Okay, so. Why yeah, colubrids? So it seems like everybody's getting into them. What's what's the? <laughs> I want to understand why. <laughs> so for me, you know, I'm in. I've been in the hobby for you know a while. I've been keeping snakes going on thirteen years ish, um, but I've only been you know in the hobby seriously um since about 2016 um and then much more heavily in 2017 um and you know colubrids were kind of my start colubrids were what started my love of snakes you know because they were the first interaction i had with snakes and they were also the first snakes i caught you know we have you know living in south carolina we are blessed to have you know several several different species of snakes here we have dozens of different species of snakes here and, and i have uh, a whole so list I, of questions for you about finding them in the wild <laughs> yeah, for, <laughs> we'll sure. get to for sure um but um so colubrids were kind of my start and um i got i was into them at first you know kind of in the beginning of just like having snakes and enjoying them i had some hognose snakes i had some corn snakes i you know i i loved them um but as i got older you know i got into the mindset of you know pythons are cool you know pythons are the cool thing you know and so i got i got in the carpets a little bit and i still had so i had colubrids for a long long time um i it was only a couple years ago that i got out of them completely um for a very short time um but when we first started the podcast i still had a couple um 
And then as we grew through the podcast, I needed to downsize a little bit, and I wanted to focus mostly on Morelia, so I pretty much sold everything that wasn't a carpet python and um, kept strictly carpets for a while. Um, I got a scrub. I do have a scrub python as well. Um, But, um, yeah, so I kept those for a while, and Justin got into some colubrids, or he, he always had some, you know, and, you know, it was it was fun seeing his again, and, you know, I started talking to more and more people with colubrids, and became really good friends with more and more people with colubrids, and I'm like, fuck, I'm like, I kind of want, kind of want some more, you know, exactly, you know, and it, it's, it's so funny how this all came about, because, like, whenever I, like, was first getting into snakes, you know, morphs were, it was all morphs, you know, and I, I was, I was with it, you know, like, morphs are the thing, you know, I didn't even know what selective breeding was, Yeah, you know, I had never even heard of that, you know, I didn't even know the concept of it, you know, and, Right. So I was all morphs, 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 morphs. Even when I first got in the carpet python, you know, that's what I was going for. I had an exanthic project, I had some granite stuff, you know, and but then I just kind of fell in love with wild type carpet pythons and found out about, you know, this whole selective breeding side of things. And it just really fascinated me that I could be basically towards creating something that almost looks like a morph, but is natural you know what i mean like my eyes created this essentially you know know, me choosing two animals created this you know masterpiece here which you know so that thought process was really cool to me so i kind of got out of morphs altogether and i was you know working with you know wild type carpets you know which is still what i do today i have no i now i have no morph carpets whatsoever everything is completely wild type um and then so having that you know so i was in the carpets for several years kind of focusing on or for a couple years you know strictly focusing on that and then i got into or then i started seeing more and more of these colubrids and seeing a lot of locality stuff and that's another thing i'm really into is locality animals and so i started seeing all these locality rat snakes and i'm like oh man there's all kinds you know because i never thought about just the state by state and county by county how different these things can be, man, like night and day differences, you know, and it just, it fascinated me. And I realized that the rat snake world was kind of right up my alley with the carpets, you know, because, you know, there's still, there's a lot of selective breeding potential. There's a lot of locality stuff to do. And, you know, and rat snakes have always been my favorite, you know, local animals, you know, rat snakes and the rhodia. And so I just, you know, I, I wanted rat snakes for a while. I was sitting on on it for about a year of wanting colubrids, and I snagged a pair of um, white oak um, Apalachicola gray rat snakes, um, which I absolutely love. Those animals they are probably my favorite rat snakes in my collection right now. Um, and then I had those for probably about a year as my only colubrids, and I sat on them. Really enjoyed them, and. And then that kind of gets into the longleaf reptilia changeover. Um, you know, I had about, you know, it, anybody who follows, you know, the Herpeticulture podcast knows I was off the show for about a year. Right. Um, took a year off, stepped away from the hobby and, you know, looked at, you know, 
a lot of my own stuff and um, was dealing with a lot of personal life things. Um, so I was kind of out of the hobby. I wasn't expanding at all. I was just kind of keeping what I had. And then a big change happened and, you know, I kind of had to you know, reevaluate some things and, you know, change a lot of things. And, you know, my life was going to be changing a lot. And, you know, as I knew it and, you know, I knew with that my collection was going to change. You know, I was finally going to get into Cluebirds. You know, that was good. That was pretty much the top of my list was with this big change. Was, All right. I'm getting into my Cluebirds now. Priority new six. <laughs> exactly exactly that was number one i'll buy things uh, i'm pretty sure like after two days i'd spell like yeah i had like three snakes coming in the mail it was great um but um you know so that was you know kind of at the top of things i wanted to do was work on my colubrid collection because it was something i had been sitting on for a year and i and i've been thinking about it you know daily for you know a year it was all the stuff i wanted you know these colubrid projects and the time came where I could, and I was like, okay, this is it. And I pretty much dubbed collection with colubrids. Um, you know, now I actually have more colubrids than I have uh, carpet python. <laughs> um, so, which is really weird to say to me because I had carpets for so long, and it's like now I just have so many, you know, colubrids. It's, it's crazy. Um, but with the with the longleaf reptilia change, you know the I really liked Job Morelia. You know, it rolled off the tongue very well. Everybody knew me as that. I was established as that. I, I was you very know, I, used I, to I, it. It took me a while. Yes. To get used to yeah, everybody, reptilia. everybody was. <laughs> yeah, nobody knew. I'm sure there's still a lot of people who just think I disappear. Like, there's no more Job Morelia, you know. <laughs> but um, you know, it's just it seemed very centralized you know like morelia specific and you know i i kind of wanted to get away from the initial thing simply because i feel like everybody uses their initials or their name and i just, i don't know something about it. i just wanted i wanted different because my life was changing so much and like i was like i need something different i need fresh, fresh start. I need new exactly yeah. you know i really fresh just i really wanted a fresh start and i was like let's rebrand and you know i threw around a lot of different ideas about some stuff you know, off some friends, and I one day I was just sitting there, and it's old office said longleaf reptilia. You know, I didn't want to use exotics, I didn't want to use reptiles. You know, all the stuff everybody else used. So I was like, I want to use reptilia. That sounds cool. And I'm like, okay, what can what can flow with that? And the whole longleaf thing was so I'm I have a degree in forestry and wildlife management. I'm a big you know That's wildlife awesome. advocate. Advocate. Um, you know, I'm I could do forestry work. I, I love trees. I love nature. Um, and so I, you know, timber cruising was a big thing I did in college. So I spent a lot of time looking at pine trees and stuff like that, you know, so I did a lot of that and, you know, learned a lot about longleaf pine stands. And, um, you know, I, I threw around some stuff because, you know, in South Carolina, I was trying to think of something, you know, to South Carolina specifically. And, you know, we have a lot of live oaks here. Park, you know, I can't think of anything with trees. I would go with this. And then longleaf hit me, and I was like, longleaf reptilia, you know. And I liked it because longleaf pine stands, you know, they're some of my favorite areas to herp if you can find them. Um, and they inhabit some just incredible, you know, animals on top of plants. You know, you can find pitcher plants, you know, in longleaf pine stands. Um, you find all types of snakes. You know, you find indigo snakes, pine snakes. You know, and inhabit these things. Um, red cockaded woodpeckers and endangered endangered species of woodpecker. 
only awesome. inhabits longleaf pines. Um, so, you know, they, they're a very specific ecosystem that, you know, takes care of a lot of, you know, threatened or endangered things. And so they, they, they mean a lot to me, you know, those stands because I love herping them and, you know, they, 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 it's just something that, you know, near and dear to me, you know, and, and it just rolled off the tongue so well when I said it and, you know, and I liked it immediately. I had a couple of people that are like, you know, and I'm like, no, you know what? Screw you. I like it. I'm, I'm going with it. Yeah. I so, remember the episode I, where you, you and uh, Justin, I think Phil was on it as well. And you guys were going back and forth about the names and you said it and I was yeah. like, yeah, that, I like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks man. No, I actually had, it was all the feed. It was actually after that episode, it was all the good feedback I had. That is why I went with it, you know, cause I was about to ditch it and be like, ah, you know, cause I was honestly getting more negative from it but then you know more people said it over and over and then like people heard why i chose the long leaf thing you know being a more personalized you know thing and everybody was like all right okay it's pretty legit it works and um yeah so i've i've kind of rolled with it it hasn't i haven't gotten tired of saying it It, you know (laughs) it's it's going and I, i still love it you know i've got Got different ideas for a logo in the future um, nice. when I can get some really good professional work done. Um, and um, yeah, I kind of threw something together for a logo just to have, and I really like what's there. Um, and I'm going to ride that out for a while. I, you know, I really like it. Phil Wolf designed it. Nice. Um, and then I had a, um, had a graphic artist, a uh, buddy of mine, you know, kind of draw it up for me. Um, so I'm happy with it. You know, I like the, definitely like the name change and, um, yeah, it's just, it's flowing with everything really well, I think. And, um, you know, that's again, you know, the whole Longleaf thing, you know, it also goes into my field herping, you know, obsession and yeah, that, you know, that's a whole other, you know, can of worms. I'm doing a lot more of that nowadays, not as much now cause it's getting a little cold. Um, but you know, that was, you know, another thing I got, you know, heavily back into with my, you know, big change was field herping. I, I was on the roads for almost daily for, you know, a couple months there. I I noticed this and I also noticed actually something that I wanted to bring up later on, but since we're talking about this, I also noticed that you're now doing uh, photography and you're selling the, you're selling your prints of the, of the snakes you're, you're capturing in the wild. Yeah, I'm trying to, I really didn't, I really didn't get any, you know, sales from that. You know, I think I had one or two people buy a couple prints, which is fine. You know, I just Baby threw steps. it out there just to see. Yeah. I just wanted to see if anybody would want some, you know, I, I needed, you know, a little extra to, cause I was trying to, you know, buy some cages or I was trying to buy some racks or something. And yeah, you know, I needed some extra cash. I just threw it out there to see if anybody interested. Um, Do you so ship that's to not Canada? something. I probably can. Um, yeah. I would have okay. to, because basically how I'm doing it is I have a website or not a website. Well, I guess it is a website. It's an app on my phone they, that I get all my prints from. You know, I order my personal prints from there. Cool. Um, so basically what I'm doing is, you know, going on there, you know, billing it to myself, but shipping it to whoever, whoever. wants one, you okay. know, and. So it gets stri- shipped straight from the company. So it, it 
I don't see why Canada would be out of the question, you know. So That's if awesome. at all interested, I can certainly look into it. I definitely am. And um, if anyone else is who's listening to this, go get some prints. Um, hey man, all about it. I got I got them on 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 deck, ready to go. Yeah. But, um, all right. So so uh, so a little about the the long leaf uh, the long leaf forest and herping in the wild. Uh, Cause we don't have many species up here. So I've always seen these uh, videos or, or just hearing you guys talk about like road cruising or, um, or find like just herping for, for locales in general. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Like, first of all, how easy is it to actually find the snake when you're out there? Cause I'm always like, are they just walking out there? And are they just in their face? Or are you, are you spending like six hours out there and seeing one snake? Like, should I feel better or, or, or should I stay jealous? <laughs> <laughs> it really depends on the day, man. I can tell you I've spent way more hours on the roads and in the woods than I have finding snakes. snakes okay. Right. Like I have yeah. there's way more hours right. to the snake numbers than you can imagine. Um, but it man, it really depends on the day, you know. It, me, if I'm really like, you know, I'm all about it and I'm going, you know, I'm going pretty much no matter what. And when you're doing that you have a lot more days that you don't get anything, you know, right. but when you do, it, it, it's great, you know, but you also have days to where you only go at certain time frames, you know, or certain, you know, uh, during certain weather conditions, you know, and in those days, it's great, you know, so, you know, there's been nights that I've on the same road on one night, I've found 14 snakes in, you know, wow. two hours. You know, but on that same road, I have found no snakes in three hours, you know, but it's all based on weather conditions and everything, you know, and so my, it, it's all, it depends on the day, the time of year, you know, me, I like going, your best time to herp, at least for me, again, I'm speaking from Carolina, okay, that's where I've done pretty much all of my herping I've done, I did a South good day Carolina? in Texas when I lived at yeah, South Carolina. Yeah. Um, that's where I've done, you know, a large majority. I've done a good bit in Texas. Um, when I was living out there, I lived out there for six months. Um, that must have been awesome. And I've done, and I've done a little bit in Florida. Um, I've made a couple trips out there to go look for some stuff. Um, but again, most of my experience comes from South Carolina. Um, right. So my favorite times of year to herp, or the best times of year to herp, are spring and fall, mostly because, and that being because springtime everything's just waking up you know everything's getting going everything's coming out of their burrows and they're hungry you know so they're going to be moving you know and that's also when they're breeding you know so they're going to start eating they're going to start breeding they're on the move you know pretty much if it's springtime around here and it rains that i'm i you won't find me at home you know, <laughs> it, it's it's the bit that i fought and that's the other thing i follow the rain um and then with the fall it's kind of the same deal um things are packing on food to try and you know eat before they got to go down for the winter and um you also have those weird transitions so those types of times of years are my favorite for road cruising um and part of that is because it's good when the perfect at least to me the perfect time of year is when it gets nice and warm during the day but gets you know in the low 70s at night, night. you know because okay. it'll it cool low 70s you know it's cool enough you know to get them it's just cool enough to get them out on the to the road to warm up you know they'll come out right. onto the blacktop because it's still whole it's still holding that heat 
you know, so they'll come out to get warmth and, um, you know, that low seventies just gets, you know, everything pushing and moving, you know, and, and then follow the rain patterns, you know, pretty much if I've got a storm, if I know a storm's pushing through, I'm going out usually before the storm, right before the storm. Um, sometimes during I, there's one time I actually twice I went during a rainstorm and I just, I made out dude. I'm like, it was, it was insane. I yeah. never found so many snakes. I and mean, then it was pouring down, right? It was terrible. So I, I didn't take any pictures because I right. didn't, couldn't take my phone out because it was pouring rain. But man, I think I found, you know, five banded water snakes, close to 10 ribbon snakes, you know, two cotton mouths and five copperheads. You know, it's, wow. you know, it's ridiculous, you know, on this one stretch of road. It's literally. I drive down a couple miles, turn around and come back and I can find, you know, and you do I, this I for probably, how long? It, it depends on the night. You know, if it's not going well, I'll do it for, you know, an hour, hour and a half. I'm like, you, just, right, you, know, you don't drive around like you, this one, one section, you just keep going back and forth. And, and well, that, this is, it, it depends. Yeah, that's my favorite road. Okay. That's my favorite okay. road yeah. because it's, it's probably my least traveled road um well not my least traveled road because i do go to wmas as well but as far as public you know a, a public road um that's probably the least traveled one um and it's it's literally from where i'm staying now it's you know 10 minutes up the road so it's not it's not far from me at all it's i've been going there for years and yeah. it produces a lot of variety um you know just a lot of a lot of stuff um so that's it's crazy. one of my frequent one of my frequent flyers for sure <laughs> Um, definitely a go-to, um, but, um, cause that's mostly what I do as far as field herping. I might, I might be a little lazy with it, um, but I do a lot of road cruising, um, especially, especially those times of years, you know, because it's just, it's productive. You know, you find a lot of stuff road cruising. And they don't um, like fly off the road when the car comes down. Um, sometimes, yeah, it, it, it definitely sometimes, you know, you get you get really good at it if you're if yeah. you road cruise enough like me i've i've learned to pretty much you know distinguish a piece of you know a, a pine needle from you know an earth snake you know or, they're or, both or a toad or something that like that. long you know but and they're the yeah. same color essentially but you know there's little things that you can you've learned to you know see from in between so you do have you know the chance to hit snakes you know especially small ones that look like mm -hmm. sticks um you'd you see a lot more slow? yes yeah i mean it depends on super and again it depends on the day if it's pouring down rain i'm seeing snakes left and right yeah i'm going 15 20 miles an hour down that fucker you know just just you know putting um but if it's if it's been really slow and you know there's yeah it's, it's been clear out i'm not even seeing any frogs you know then i'll speed it up a little bit and try and you know go around because that's another big thing if i don't see frogs i almost don't waste my time you know there's um, not they're for, not out hunting yeah that's because that's if i because I, I don't know what it is but like when the frogs are moving the snakes are usually moving now frogs move a little more into the colder weather um, I've seen frogs moving in the lower 60s and, you know, and stuff around here. And um, so, but around then I normally don't see snakes. So the, the frogs stay a little bit more active into the winter. Um, but yeah, as far as like spring and fall, you know, the frogs, if there's frogs bouncing everywhere, it's a very good sign. You're probably going to find some snakes. Um, and the, the area that I cruise has, or at least that area of I cruise, I'm pretty much everywhere in 
around my area is wet. You know, we live on the coast, you know, we have rivers and, you know, and in my side of Beaufort is brackish water. Um, so it's kind of a mixture of salt and fresh for anybody that doesn't know what brackish means. Right. Um, so it can, it can inhabit saltwater fish as well as freshwater fish. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of cool. Um, so you get a lot of the snakes that inhabit, you know, freshwater and all the freshwater frogs and all that stuff all through the area. Um, so, um, but yeah, so that's, that's road cruising. And then I also go to WMAs, um, which is, you know, anybody doesn't know that is called a wildlife management area. Um, so basically like some, we have the ones we have here can, you know, there's some private ones and then there's some that are public. You can just go to, um, during certain times of the year, but they're also wildlife management areas. So normally they are hunting areas as well. So there are certain seasons and times of the year that you can't. Luckily, most of those seasons are during the winter. Um, yeah. So it really doesn't take out much for herping over. for me. Mm -hmm. Right. Until turkey season comes around. Turkey season is, uh, is springtime or summer. I can't remember. I think it's August. Um, no, before August. But so turkey season kind of cuts into my WMA time, um, but that's really it. And, you know, I've got one here that, I mean, you know, this is, I go to WMAs when I don't want to road cruise. Um, pretty much because they're, at least around here, there really isn't a lot of just like public woods. You know what I mean? Like you can't just walk into a patch of woods or you're probably going to get shot because it's somebody's property. You know, everybody right. owns property around here. Right. If you're from around here, you know not to trespass. <laughs> um, okay. It does not get you very far. Um, so you got to be really careful about where you're going. Because that's a, another thing, you know, I like to push to field herpers is, you know, because there's a, there's a running joke around, you know, running jokes about people trespassing, you know, just looking for, you know, your special you snake, you know. Yeah. Somebody telling you no about going over that fence and you wait five minutes for them to walk away and you hop over. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I really try to push to not do that because it makes us look bad. You know, people sure. really you know enjoy herping and do it, you know, for more than just, you know, it's a, it's, it's a lifestyle for me. So, you know, yeah, it's, I, a, it's I, a passion. I, it's a, exactly. A lifestyle. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's a passion. Mm -hmm. It's a lifestyle. It's a, it means a lot to me, you know, so I take it very seriously of no trespassing whatsoever. Um, always have permission on everything and um, or go to public land. So I frequent WMAs because it's public. If the gates open, you can go in, you know, no questions asked. So I frequent one here quite a bit. And um, yeah, it's been, that one has been very, very productive over the last two years that I've been going there. I have found everything from, you know, seven eight inch garter snakes to i found i finally found my lifer mud snake uh last year which was about six foot long um that is awesome freaking incredible um, yeah I'm almost i almost cried and i'm not <laughs> yeah i probably would have yeah i'm telling you man it was incredible i was jumping up and down i couldn't i couldn't i didn't even touch it for like five minutes because i was just <gasps> You know, <laughs> it was just, yeah, like, ah! and yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was just, you know, one of definitely one of my, one of my craziest finds to date, you know, because finding a mud snake is one thing. And I've, I had never found one. I actually, I actually hit a baby when I was in college, which you're yeah. talking about almost crying. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> that would have been my lifer, but I hit it and I 
killed it, unfortunately. Yeah. And um, a buddy of mine found one on the road that, you know, I cruise a lot. Um, him and I used to go there a lot. He's a herpetologist. He used to live here in um, the Outer Banks now. Um, awesome. But he went out with me one day because we had been hitting this road looking for mud snakes. And he went out without me one day with a different friend. And he found one and I was pissed. Um, so so I got the hand. Yeah, of course. So he calls me, of course, like, dude, we found one. So I'm like, all right. So I went out there and I looked at it and took some pictures of it and stuff. Thought I was awesome. But like, I didn't, con it wasn't mine. You know, I didn't find didn't it. It wasn't there. It. You know, yeah, you know, I saw it. I saw it, but yeah, that doesn't count. Doesn't count. And um, yeah. I was walking, walking back from, uh, I had just gotten off a cross dike, um, walking between two bodies of water. Um, going to some woods, you know, because basically this is the WMA I go to is a water flat, waterfowl management area. You know, um, it's wildlife management area, but they do a lot of wild, waterfowl on, hunting, yeah. you know. Yeah, 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 exactly. So they have a lot of flooded areas, um, a lot of areas that they control the floods and the flooding with and whatnot. Um, so there's a lot of water around. Um, so if you know mud snakes, obviously mud snakes, they stay around wetlands. Um <laughs> I wasn't expecting it at all. Yeah, I had literally walked, dude. I had probably walked two miles. You know, I had been going all over the place. I was coming back. I was 50 feet from my car. 50 feet from my car, walking up up to it. And there's just this massive mud snake just laying in the middle of the in the middle of the path and i just lost it. I was jumping up and down like a little schoolgirl, you know, and just freaking out you know it was, oh, it's amazing. It, was awesome. it was great you know and, and that's why i love field herping man nothing to ask. nothing gets my juices flowing like like finding you know a, a target species or finding anything really man i still get excited to chase a black racer you know <laughs> I, yeah i absolutely agree with that i so 100 so when you said you found 14 snakes in one night on that one road I've been in Canada for I think six or seven years now, and I haven't found 14 snakes in total. So I'm definitely gonna oh, have to come man. down to South Carolina and do some herping with you guys. <laughs> yeah, dude, absolutely. Yeah, I can I can put you on a lot of stuff, and that's what's oh. cool about about our area, of South Carolina, is we also have a lot of barrier islands, you know. So like, and a lot of most of them are pretty much accessible by car, you know. Everything a bridge leads everywhere right. around here, you know. So. Right. We have a lot of different habitat and a lot of different, you know, roads to go through. And, you know, the variability, you know, is just incredible. You know, even on that road, I was telling you, I was telling you about the one I cruise a lot. Um, that night I was out on a, during a storm, I was finding abandoned water snakes. And um, I have to say, I'll have to send you a picture later of these two that I found literally within a mile of each other. I found one and then. Less than a mile later, I found this other one. They're both banded water snakes. One was bright red, almost a brick color. The other one was almost jet black. Like completely different. You know, wow. Completely different. completely different. Yeah, but this is the same stretch of road within a mile. You know, if you didn't know snakes, you wouldn't know those were the same snake at all. Like there was yeah. nothing that looked, the patterns were different, the colors were different. You wouldn't have known. But, you know, they're, they were both banded water snakes. And, you know, just the, just the variability, man, is just, it's, it's incredible, you know, and especially with Nerodia. Nerodia are just so variable, but yeah. That's uh, yeah. I, I've been, I, I don't know much about them, but I've been hearing a lot more about them and been doing a little bit of research and they are 
beautiful, beautiful animals. I agree. And they're super cool. Yeah. Awesome. In that case, uh, thank you very much for coming on, man. I I, yeah. I want to go long. I like to keep them around 45. We just went a little bit over, but I I, I had to hear about the field herping. I had, <laughs> like seeing you guys' pictures every time you guys are out or just hearing uh, hearing about it on the Herpetic Coach podcast. Um, I FOMO very hard. Let's that's, that's, that's just say that. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> well, yeah. Man, yeah, man, I appreciate it. Sorry, I, I, t- I talk a lot. You know, ha- having my own podcast is a little easier. <laughs> easier to talk you know so i get all my rants and stuff too so you know i thought what? i'd I, keep I, you a little longer but um not at all justin said the same thing it's funny but i told him it's easier it's easier to have um guests to talk than to kind of drag like I me mean, we were talking about that as well it's it's no uh you were great i <laughs> thank yeah. you so much uh for coming on okay. I, I really do appreciate it uh can you let everybody know you for having me man yeah, for sure. Uh, can you let everybody know where they can find you? I mean, we said long leave reptilia at which times, but maybe one more time, engrave it in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can find you can add me on Facebook. It's changed up from long leave reptilia. You add me on Facebook <laughs> on under just Jacob Brats if you want. Add me. Um, I haven't been on there very much lately. In case anybody's noticed, I'm sorry. I'm working two jobs, and actually the snakes basically there. make a third job. So I'm. I really haven't been on social media a lot lately, and I do apologize to anybody um, on that front. Um, but you can add me on Facebook. Um, other than that, Facebook, Instagram, you can follow me at Longleaf Reptilia. Um, no underscore, no dots, no nothing. Just Longleaf Reptilia, you'll find me. Um, Instagram will probably be the best one. I'm, I'm on there more than anything. I haven't posted in you know, several weeks. But, um, yeah, you can go look at some of the stuff I'm working with. Um, I haven't even posted half of the colubrids I own currently. Um, so this episode, uh, you're gonna go, you're gonna look at my Instagram. Like, God, is that colubrids? I, I, I do. I just haven't posted them a lot. Um, I gotta get life a little simpler. Before I, get back <laughs> to I need, I need to get, I just need to get back on Instagram. I've been really bad about taking pictures. Um, but um, yeah. You know what? I'm the same thing, man. If I don't like. If I don't pre-plan for for like a week or two, like we're like okay, I'm posting the, the all this in the next two weeks. I, I won't end up posting. I I know it's a struggle sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I feel that's that. why whenever I take pictures, I try to take like twenty of like each animal. <laughs> so like I've just got a stack of them for you. Know, I can just all right, let's post this is one today. You're ready to go, <laughs> and then you can alternate, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Um, yeah, no, I just added you on Facebook because we weren't connected, first of all. Uh, but thank you very much oh, once wow. again. I can't believe that. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, yeah, and yeah cool. sweet. Uh, I will I will have my information and your information in the show notes for everybody. Uh, go follow him once again. Longleaf Reptilia, Jacob Bratz. Thank you very much for coming on. And I am Daffy's okay. Reptiles, Daffy's Roundtable for the podcast. Uh, we will see you next week. Thanks, guys. See you later. Thank you.